0: Good evening and welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by the Freedoms Path Recovery Society. We are not affiliated with any 12-step fellowship, nor do we wish to propose only one solution. We understand how different solutions can greatly increase an individual's chance of survival. We hope to illuminate some of the recovery process by sharing as many human stories as we can. Why? You might ask to show that we can and do build stable lives from a former state of chaos, desperation, and hopelessness. Our stories become our strength. Please remember that any and all opinions shared and heard are those of the individuals and not a reflection of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other entity. So regardless of how crappy or wonderful our opinions might be to you, they still remain opinions, nothing more. You might hear swearing adult themes and situations, as well as the tragedies humans face and walk through every day. It is not suitable for children unless they are accompanied by a parent or guardian, or have the explicit permission of those individuals. Hey, it's Voices in Recovery again, and tonight we have, well, a friend of mine who I respect uh, dearly for many reasons, um, and I'll let her talk about those things. Um, Cindy, welcome. Thanks. Thanks. You're welcome. Um thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my it's our pleasure. Is there anything you want to tell us about like to start? Like you're I mean, you're welcome to talk about whatever you want.
1: I just I guess I'll start by saying I feel like I have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. Like that's uh, why I never um share my story or uh talk about it because I feel like I'm no different than anybody else mm-hmm. and um that I haven't experienced anything differently or I don't know. I just think it's, Mm -hmm. I know that they say it's important to share your story so other people can Mm -hmm. hear you and can relate to what you're going through. But I just, I don't know. I just always, I guess I'm one of those people that are shamed Mm -hmm. or, um, Yeah, like the stigma attached to it. So, Mm -hmm. And I've kind of, in my recovery, I have, um, I felt mm, not accepted maybe in the 12-step community or I just kind of felt cultish or something. Mm -hmm. Like it just was not. And I mean, I did my, I kind of am a cheater because I (laughs) got my recovery because I, Went through Calgary drug treatment court mm-hmm. and I was piss test three times a week. And that's what kept me sober. Um, and so you'd have to go to three meetings a week and mm-hmm. da, 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 And I went to maybe a couple and then I mm-hmm. learned how to cheat and just get my sheet signed and realized nobody could actually check it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, my counselor, Teresa, who I, praise with all my because without her I don't think I would have my sobriety because um, she I was the only female for the first while mm-hmm. and I was in day program so I had her as a one-on-one counselor um, six hours a day for like 12 weeks mm-hmm. and so but yeah so I, she didn't know so sorry Teresa now you know <laughs> I was cheating on my meetings and then mm-hmm. she got me a temporary sponsor which I didn't connect to at all and I would tell people I had a sponsor and I didn't Mm -hmm. and so I would just kind of do my own thing Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so I felt because um I kind of felt drug court once they realized I wasn't a 12-stepper I felt like I had they turned my back on it Mm -hmm. on me a bit and then I I had this thing where like I would go out w- with my partner who passed away, Brad, mm-hmm. and he was a strong 12 stepper. Mm-hmm. And so we came from different spectrums. And in the beginning we couldn't even talk recovery to each other because yeah. we would fight over our perspectives. But we'd go to these, I'd, I'd go to these like 12 step things with him, like camping or whatever. And mm-hmm. I'd get this, well, are you one of us? And I'm like thinking, yeah, like I've got like four years clean, but mm-hmm. what is one of us? Mm-hmm. And, no, I'm not following the 12 steps, but that doesn't mean I'm going to relapse. Like I get that opinion so much that because you're not a 12 stepper, then you're doomed. <laughs>
0: well, and you know, that's the unfortunate thing for people who only go to 12 step programs though, right? Yeah. Is because every program that, I mean, it's, it's nature, the nature of programs, right? Where you go into their church, of course, they're going to preach and testify to their way of life. Yeah. Right? And. And obviously the 12 steps are, um, they do work Yeah, obviously, Yeah, but that doesn't mean they work for everybody.
1: Right. And then, uh, well, I mean, I've been coming here to Wild Rose. Well, I've been pastor. I did my step three with pastor Wayne. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was baptized in 2013 at central Mm -hmm. and used to go there all the time. And I don't know, I stopped going for personal reasons, but, um, (laughs) It's just, it's like through osmosis, I've gotten the steps. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you what they were, but I realized like tonight, and I kind of connected up with the step 11 that, hey, like I'm negative this week because I haven't been smudging. So mm-hmm. obviously my conscious contact with God is out the window this week. And that's why I'm so negative. So it's like, I never connect what I'm doing to the 12 steps, mm-hmm. but I'm actually, I do Mm -hmm. follow them just kind of on a subconscious level i guess
0: so well you might be following the principles of them yeah right and i mean that's a every principle like that they have listed in the 12 steps is based on something from somewhere else yeah it's kind of like it's it's natural for it to evolve
2: yeah into
0: people who are able to simply practice those principles
2: yeah right yeah in
0: their law in their day-to-day life right that's the whole point
1: yeah and and that's what i i you know i used to say well it's a good way to live your life like it's Mm -hmm. just a you know clean up your backyard at the end of the day kind of way of life and Mm -hmm. be grateful and um accountable and honest and um so for me i'm like i like the holistic approach like Mm. spiritual physical emotional and um What did I miss? Mental. Mental, (laughs) So
0: The one we don't want to talk about. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So I try to keep that. I mean, it's impossible to keep it in balance. But the more that I keep Mm -hmm. addressing all of those areas in my life, the better I am. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where my my take on my recovery. And when I talk to people, I just like whatever works. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not somebody who can sit around with somebody who's throwing slogans at me and like... Uh, blue booking. blue booking me is that what it's called the blue book big booking big booking me. <laughs> i know it's blue <laughs> i was like it took me a second i'm like
0: do we call it the blue book no we don't call it's the it the big blue book.
1: book but i you know what i mean like i want to have a real conversation with somebody i yeah. don't want somebody just throwing out parodying slogans at me and and all of those mm-hmm. things but if that works for them yeah fantastic it's just do what mm. works for you. For me, I take a little bit of a lot of things mm. and incorporate it into my life. Yeah. I'm okay. a big believer in therapy. I am, a, my therapist probably is like sick of me. I've been seeing him for like
0: five years <laughs> every two weeks. <laughs> I doubt it. You probably, you probably built quite a relationship in five years, yeah. right?
1: And we so. just started to peel back the trauma again because mm-hmm. we went through a bunch of trauma in the beginning. And then, like, I just kind of show up and chat. Mm -hmm. With him, and now it's time. So my last session this week was starting back at some Mm -hmm. more of the trauma, peeling back more of those layers. Yeah, because it's a process.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah,
1: and I never want to go
0: there. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, because of course it all depends on the like the type of trauma. Yeah, it does make a difference. Yeah, you know, if it was it was it repeated, was it like ongoing? Yeah, like that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. So for me, like my, I mean, I don't know where to begin, but I guess in the beginning, <laughs> where to begin, that sounds stupid, but
0: when God created, yeah, when God created
1: Cindy, <laughs> um, no, but like my, it. yeah, like, I mean, I had a, a grandfather who molested me as a child. Right. And so that I used to think was that trauma because as a child, I thought I was special. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I was like, cause I kind of lived in the shadow of my sister cause mm-hmm. she was always the good one. And she was six years older than me and had her shit together. And, um, so my grandfather made me feel special. Mm-hmm. And so I enjoyed going to see my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Like it was never a traumatic thing for me mm-hmm. and he would get me drunk on apple cider, um, that he'd make in the basement mm-hmm. when I was like six. Oh, five you know and and so i you know and i'd get Jeez. shipped away for you know holidays like they lived in rimby alberta and i'd get shipped away like on spring break or mm. you know my parents would go on holidays i'd go there and my sister would go to my uncle on the farm and uh you know I just thought I was special, right? Mm -hmm. So I never, and I never told anybody, but I guess my behaviors acting out as Mm -hmm. a child were pretty extreme. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, like, it's like we know, like, if a child is acting out, that's Mm -hmm. their way of talking because they don't have the language to communicate what's really going on for them. But my parents didn't understand that. They Mm -hmm. just thought I was a hellion, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) like, He just so nobody got it and I just kept making poor choices and believed I was a badass and Mm -hmm. um yeah and then for my grandfather I finally at 12 like it was till I was 12 Mm -hmm. that I finally was like I'm not speaking to this guy anymore like Mm -hmm. which then my family didn't understand that either so now I'm causing more problems within Mm -hmm. the family because I'm not refusing to see my grandparents and I've got attitude Mm -hmm. and So, and then from that, then that moved into um, abusive relationships Mm -hmm. with boyfriends and Mm -hmm. my first, the love of my life. um, I met him in grade nine, going into grade 10, like over the summer, and Mm -hmm. he was already in high school and he was Mr. Popular, Mr. Jock. And uh, yeah, that guy beat the shit out of Mm -hmm. me all the time and brought out, well, I mean, I already must have had, but I, you know, people started to call me psycho Cindy Mm. because I would do crazy things or he would get into a fight and I would get into a fight, like I'd beat up girls and I Mm. would do like outrageous, like everybody knew Mm. not to fuck with me. And I, that's when I learned how to use alcohol Mm. and, uh, yeah, it was just a coping, it was like, it was like the most craziest relationship and that was, bef- that was even like, that was just in high school, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and then from there it got, I became the abuser in relationships. Mm-hmm. And then from there it went to, you know, hard drugs. And I didn't actually become addicted to hard drugs until I was 28. Mm-hmm. So, which is kind of a blessing because I had, uh, As much as the alcohol and all of that, you know, I'd be like, oh yeah, I got my, um, I went to university, well college and I got my um, diploma in corrections and worked at young offender centers Mm -hmm. and I did all that and I'd be like, oh yeah, work hard, party harder. And it was all booze and it was all, Mm -hmm. you know, but then, yeah, so I got introduced because I'd get so drunk and I'd party with everybody and then I'd do off sales and then I'd end up in places and usually with bikers or something, Mm. and I was introduced to crack cocaine, and then I didn't even know what it was because I'd be Mm. so drunk that I'd just be using, and then, yeah, that became the thing. And, uh, yeah, so then I told somebody at work. I worked in a group home, Mm. and I uh, told my coworker because I couldn't hold it together. Like Mm. I was stealing petty cash and just um, the kids would go to school like, this is horrible stuff. I don't even know if I should say this, but the kids would go to school and I'd go get high. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I told my coworker asking for help and she told like our manager. And Mm -hmm. anyways, what happened is it was a great agency. They, you know, had to let me go obviously, but Mm -hmm. they provided me with help and a therapist Mm -hmm. and, you know, severance and they gave me good reference still. Mm -hmm. But, um, without that job I just really just spiraled even further so that went on to the point where I was living you know in a little shack in an illegal suite with another abusive boyfriend who used to like lock me in the closet like he was jealous of my cat and he would lock me in the closet and like
0: what do you mean jealous of your cat like because I'd pay
1: attention to my cat (laughs) and he would like lose his shit and really yeah like well and then you know drug raged or alcohol and yeah yeah And then we were ripping off dealers. And I was really quite, you know, at that point, I was still very square and new to all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had a friend introduce me to crystal meth. Mm -hmm. And that was like, cha-ching. And yeah, all of a sudden I could be social. Mm -hmm. I could like, I was losing weight. Mm -hmm. I was feeling like 10 feet tall and bulletproof. And yeah, and before long... I was running around with bikers and um, didn't realize like I was uh, having meetings in my house and, you know, big dudes, big bad dudes. And Mm -hmm. again, I had this like social worker kind of mentality Mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know, and then next thing you know, it's like, well, do you want to start selling dope? So I started dealing and of course the a type personality I am Mm -hmm. if you're gonna deal you're gonna deal right and Mm -hmm. I thought that you know all it had to do was money and service Mm -hmm. because I didn't think about greed and like all of these other things that go along with that underworld because Mm -hmm. I never even knew about it so yeah so that got really too big and then I got held hostage and Mm -hmm. pistol whipped and almost lost my life and uh, ended up doing a two and a half year stint in a women's federal penitentiary. And yeah, it was, it was just crazy and mm-hmm. got out, did the geographical move, finished my parole and started dealing again mm-hmm. down, down South and did all of that all over again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, was just a constant cycle. Yeah. Yeah. So till I was fortunate enough to get busted in medicine hat and coming back through they wouldn't transfer me from the hat to Lethbridge instead they transferred me through Calgary mm-hmm. and I heard about drug treatment court and was able to do get into that
0: so yeah, yeah. tell us about that what's drug cor- treatment court like
1: um well it was uh a, i thought at that point if they couldn't help me nobody could mm-hmm. um it was an amazing support system and just it was in the beginning, it was my way of getting back to my boyfriend as quick mm. as possible. Like I didn't really plan on getting clean. I just yeah. thought, Oh yeah, if I can do this Calgary jerk, Dr- get in. Cause you get released from jail
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you do treatment. And I've already, I'd already done treatment like five times in mm. my past. And I'm like, yeah, as long as I could, even when I was selling drugs and using, I was still going to ADAC and Mm -hmm. seeing a counselor one-on-one because I had this like theory that if I wasn't working for myself, I was working against myself. So Mm -hmm. I was always trying, like I went to business school, like I did Mm -hmm. all of these things high on meth, but anyways, yeah, drug treatment court (laughs) was like, um, I figured, yeah, if they couldn't help me, nobody would. Mm -hmm. And so I waited, I was in remand for 11 months, um, because my charges were in Lethbridge, Lethbridge had no idea what drug treatment court was. Mm -hmm. So I fought and I made precedence and got brought up to Calgary. I was Mm -hmm. the first one. Right on. And uh, yeah, so I just surrendered. Like it was just like, just tell me what I need to do at this point Mm -hmm. and uh, I will do it. Mm -hmm. And it was very black because my first year recovery, I think, is black. Mm -hmm. Um, I think back on it and... I was living in um, mustard seed housing, which for me was a shock because Mm -hmm. I used to chop out of places like that. Mm -hmm. I never actually lived in places like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was really humbling to have to do all of that. And Mm -hmm. um, just listening to Teresa, like she...
0: She's amazing.
1: She's so like, Mm -hmm. she got me. And the thing is, is she... Built, like I trusted her and I could tell her shit that she probably should have reported maybe, but, mm-hmm. but she didn't. And then that way I knew I could trust her. And because mm-hmm. I had a safe outlet to be honest, mm-hmm. actually honest with somebody that allowed me to heal mm-hmm. because I could, I could say it, mm-hmm. I could admit to it and what I was thinking and what was really going mm-hmm. on yeah, and not be punished But that's the
0: gift of getting to know your, your counselor, right? Because when, and for, for your counselor as well, because then your counselor can figure out, um, what's dangerous and what's not for you. Yeah. Right. Because then it's kind of like if, if someone tells me something and I'm like, oh, that doesn't seem dangerous to you. Like, so uh, I'm not going to report it. Yeah. I, I mean, it might be something that when I was working for someone else, I would have to consider all the time. Yeah. But like now it's it's nice to just be able to use common sense. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's what, like, I know Teresa. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. Yeah. Right? No, and she's... <laughs> that common sense to be able to make that connection with you, right? Yeah. yeah. Like
1: we joke because she <clears throat> fought a lot of... She goes, I fought and died on a lot of hills for you mm. when I was in drug court because mm-hmm. she knew like what I was saying and my actions would be what I was saying. But because of all the policy and whatever else Mm -hmm. she was tied to, and she'd go in and fight for me. And
0: Mm -hmm. sometimes it hurt her more than it hurt me. And she's been doing that. I'll tell you, she's been doing that for a long time. Yeah. Like that woman has been fighting for humans for a long
1: time. Yeah. 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 So I always say like, I credit my sobriety to her. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I had to do the work, but she supported me through everything mm-hmm. and i i just that's one of the reasons why i'm so like i believe in a higher power because i feel like the opportunities that i was given don't happen mm-hmm. to the normal like you don't get one-on-one counseling with somebody f- five days a week for six hours mm-hmm. a day like that just does not happen Yeah,
0: no you gotta pay for that kind of thing.
1: yeah and yeah. like yeah. It's just like everything just fell into place. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, drug court, just, I bought into it. I bought mm-hmm. into what they were selling me and, um, it kind of, it was cool because I'm not from Calgary. So I had somewhere to go cause mm-hmm. I didn't do residential treatment. I just did their day program with Teresa. Yeah. So I didn't build a recovery community here mm. in Calgary. I didn't have girlfriends that I went through treatment with mm-hmm. or do meetings with or any of that. Mm-hmm. So drug court became my, you know, Thursday I had court and that mm-hmm. was my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I didn't have much going on. Mm-hmm. I stayed in in um my little apartment that had mm-hmm. cinder block walls that i hated because it reminded me of a jail
0: so like i did everything <laughs> i was to just thinking when you said cinder block i'm like that yeah. sounds an awful lot like oh shit yeah it
1: was brutal was and but i stay and i would stay there and i would like hang out with my dog because i was too scared to leave my house because i mm-hmm. knew that i could spin off at any moment mm-hmm. like i i know myself that like Yeah, I'd be gone. Mm -hmm. I could be gone at any second and I needed to like, so I probably spent the first year of my life in recovery, Mm -hmm. tied down, like locked down by my own self, which I wouldn't say is the best way to do things.
0: But it sounds really familiar.
2: Yeah. Because that was
0: my first year was I wasn't doing nothing that even had a smell of alcohol. I couldn't, I didn't trust myself. Yeah. Like no way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so when I look back, it's black, Mm -hmm. it's very black. And then then I became really uncomfortable with myself, Mm -hmm. my body, uh, because I was eating and not going out. And like, Mm -hmm. like I was a meth head, man. Like I was a dealer and I was out there moving and shaking and all over the city. And Mm -hmm. like, I knew millions of people. And then to go from that to like, near and near sitting in my house mm-hmm. with my dog like on Facebook basically <laughs> like yeah. just like oh my god like and 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 gaining weight and just not okay with myself mm-hmm. but sober so yeah. like i've learned that sobriety yes being clean and sober is the cornerstone mm-hmm. but recovery is a lot different than just being sober
0: yeah sure is in I mean,
1: my opinion like for yeah. myself and uh Yeah. And I really didn't, I did start to branch out. Like I, you know, slowly, I had a good friend of mine get into drug court from down in Lethbridge and Mm. she brought me on my shelf because she's wacky and crazy and Mm -hmm. like complete opposite of me. And, and I had some friends that I was in jail with that got Mm -hmm. into recovery. And, um, so I was able to like, I had like three girlfriends and that was it. And, uh, but then, yeah. And then I met Brad. Mm Mm-hmm. Sorry, that upsets me. (laughs) No,
0: it's okay, man. Like, we got Kleenex in here somewhere.
1: I got some, but um, yeah, Brad was awesome. Mm -hmm. And... uh,
0: Well, tell me how you guys met. At Central. Yeah? (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, so Brad was in drug court as well, but Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know him because I graduated from drug court years, like two years or three years before he went through the program. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know him. And I remember, uh, I was, my girlfriend was in drug court and I remember meeting her and she was with him and, and I thought like he was talking or like he didn't, nothing ever fazed me about the guy. Like, Mm -hmm. it was just like, yeah, whatever. He's just some dude or whatever. And and then I went to Central and it was Remembrance Day (laughs) Mm -hmm. story and uh I listened to this guy talk about veterans and like his cousin who died in Afghanistan. And like, Mm. I was just like blown away by his, I don't know, his humanity and his, uh, he just blew me away. And, uh, I said to my friend, I'm like, what's that guy's name again? (laughs) like Yeah. And she's like, I think you guys should be together. And, uh, So we started talking on Facebook, Mm -hmm. like silly, like everybody does. Anyways, we, uh, (laughs)
2: you're so cute. No, you're cute.
1: We just, we just like started liking (laughs) each other. stuff. But then I guess he was all like, I don't know, he had his shit, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, everybody does. Yeah. And so we did go out on a few dates, and I didn't like the way he treated me. Mm -hmm. He, uh, because he was all about his his friends, his guy friends and mm-hmm. stuff. And, uh, and so I just, he'd cancel me and I'd be like, you know what? I'd call my friends and I have this awesome friend, Anna, and she is like 60 and she has, she's a hard woman, not a hard woman. She's a beautiful woman, but she lives her truth mm-hmm. and she doesn't waver. And like her wisdom has been like such a guiding light for me in my life. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you, she, she's like, you teach people how to treat you. Mm-hmm. And if this guy's not treating you the way you want to be treated, then, then fuck him. Like, tell mm-hmm. him, like, this is unacceptable mm-hmm. because otherwise people don't know. And she's like, especially men. Like...
0: <laughs> that is <laughs> no to told, doubt. Right?
1: So um, so I, he called me and we were supposed to go out that night and he had some like, while well, I'm at Walmart and my, <laughs> you know, he sponsored a lot of guys and some guy relapsed and blah, 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 blah. And I mm-hmm. said, you know what? Don't call me tomorrow, Mm -hmm. and don't call me ever again. Actually, I said I don't like the way you treat me, and I and I like I don't want to go out Mm -hmm. with you. I'm not waiting around. I like I'm done. And I actually told him that I said you teach people how to treat you, and Mm -hmm. I don't like the way you treat me. And I let him go, and I blew his mind because he had never been spoken to Mm -hmm. or whatever. And we didn't talk. That was in February probably, and then in May he started messaging me like. Or maybe it was April. Happy Easter, I think, was the first. That
0: sounds so, exactly like a man. We're yeah. licking our wounds for like four months. And then we're like, but she's still pretty.
2: Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> so yeah. And then so we ended up, you know, it was by the time we actually went out, it was fa- our first real date was Father's Day because he, he had four girls. And he mm-hmm. said, can we do something on Father's Day because I miss my kids. Mm-hmm. And so we did. We went out to the mountains and... The rest was history. Yeah. But he showed me how to live. Yeah. Because I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. I had the clean and sober. I had the work. I had the routine. I had the Mm -hmm. regiment. I had the um, misery. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was hard on people. I was very unforgiving. And I wasn't kind. Like, Mm -hmm. it was, I was a bitch. Like, I had turned into, like, a dry drunk, I guess, or Mm -hmm. whatever you call it. Like... Mm -hmm. I was, yeah, my friends would like call me up, like my three girlfriends that were, yeah that I've known from before. And I would be like, like, I have a really harsh tongue. Like mm-hmm. I could cut people and I would let them I fly. I see
0: that. Yeah. You got a pretty sharp one. Yeah. And yeah. I can
1: just be like so ignorant and unforgiving. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, I guess it was because I was lonely. Like mm-hmm. I was miserable. And like my friends would be like, you just need to get laid. <laughs> You need to go have sex, yeah. And but I was like, "Who the (laughs) fuck are you?" Like, I'm not just gonna sleep with anybody anymore. I'm not using anymore. Like, Mm. you know what I mean. So, but yeah, no, it was it was brutal. And uh, Brad taught me how he brought light into my life, Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, really showed me how to live and get out there and get out into the world and Mm. like do things. So, uh, I lost that with him.
0: Huh? What happened?
1: Well, he died of a drug overdose.
0: I know what happened, but...
1: Yeah, um, so very unexpectedly, he mm. wasn't... Um, sorry.
0: Mm-mm. It's okay.
1: He wasn't uh, actively using. Like, he wasn't in a, a relapse um, at all. And uh, we were in Armiten for Christmas. Like, it was a good um a good christmas and Mm -hmm. life was just starting to happen for us like we were we actually had money in the bank and we were planning on moving and he just landed this great job which now looking back probably was not a very good job at all for him to have because it was on the oil fields Mm -hmm. but he'd got his class one like he's the first guy that i um we worked through our shit Mm -hmm. um and we worked together as a team, mm-hmm. and, um, like yeah, we had some, you know, brawls and stuff, but we laughed. Like mm-hmm. we laughed. I've never laughed so much in my life as I have with Brad. But um, we were in Edmonton. It was Christmas. It was so great because he wanted he he's from out east and he missed home. Mm-hmm. And he said the one thing they always did on Christmas was Christmas Eve is they would go to church. Mm-hmm. And he'd spent the last two Christmases with us and but we'd never do that mm. in my family. So he he set it up. We said I said okay, my family agreed to it like we're going to do this mm-hmm. church thing. Brad picked out the church, which happened to be the church my parents were married in, which was like a fluke. (laughs)
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So we went and we did, you know, we had this great Christmas and he was so like involved Mm. and he like, he got like, he had money. So we like spent money on gifts Mm. and like, cause you know, being in recovery, we never had a lot of anything. And so, you know, life was, we had a great Christmas and then, um, to like on the 27th we were supposed to come back to calgary on the 29th and on the 27th uh he's like i he had had gotten a concussion at work on Mm -hmm. on december 10th i think it was Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and he's like my head's rocking and i just really want to go home like because we'd been there since the 23rd i think Mm -hmm. and i said okay if you want to go tomorrow i'm not going to argue with you Mm -hmm. i won't fight with you and then that morning at breakfast I brought it up because I didn't want him to go. Of course not. Yeah. And uh, we had made plans with my grandmother because she wanted to buy him a pair of leather gloves. Like, I'll never forget that. Like, mm-hmm. my grandmother thinks everyone should have a
0: pair of leather gloves. <laughs> so She's probably right. He's from yeah. the universe. She's right. So,
1: so he doesn't have it. So she wanted to get him some kid leather gloves or whatever. And we were going to go do that. And, uh, he said, no, I really wanna my head's rocking. And then my sister, we were having breakfast and my sister was like, well, I have a meeting in Red Deer. So if you want to go back, I'll drive Cindy to Red Deer on the 29th and you can pick her up. That's Mm -hmm. halfway point. Right. And he was like, yeah. And, uh, so when we went downstairs and he was again, I'm like, take everything, take the presents, take the dog, mm-hmm. take it all so that I don't have to carry anything coming back. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I said, what is the pull to Calgary? Like, what is pulling you mm-hmm. back to Calgary? I said, like, I'm going to be leaving in two, like the 29th, you're going to have to come back anyways to Red Deer to get mm-hmm. me. And he's like, nothing. I just don't feel good. And, uh, I gave him a kiss goodbye and that was it. Mm-hmm. And, um... He sent me pictures he made at home. Uh the 28th. I messaged him and I could tell like my mother was in the, at the doctors, like we'd had to go to a medi center and so I didn't really catch on that he wasn't quite mm. responding the way he normally does until yeah. later that day. And then I was angry at him. <clears throat> and then he had all these like texting me all these excuses as to why he hadn't answered my call yeah. or why he wasn't responding. And then I called him and he answered and I said, I thought you were sick, Mm -hmm. but I could tell he was driving in his car on his Bluetooth. And he's like, I'm just going to see my cousin. And I'm like, oh, you're so fucking sick, but you're going to see your cousin? Like, like, fuck you. Mm -hmm. And I hung up on him. And then I get a message. Why are you so angry? I love you. Mm -hmm. And then I put him on hold for the rest of the night. Mm -hmm. I didn't And then I went to bed at like 11 and eight and I started messaging him Mm -hmm. and I was being an asshole. Like I was like, why aren't you fucking responding? Like Mm -hmm. a messenger you can see when they look at it. it." And, uh, I could see he'd seen the messages and I was like, fuck you. Mm -hmm. You're this, you're that, like just getting really nasty. Mm -hmm. And then I finally said, I'm going to bed. I'm sorry, babe, if I'm off on all of this stuff, but I can't help it. I don't know why, but I just feel like something is going on. Mm -hmm. I said, I feel like you're partying and I can't shake it. And I'm sorry Mm -hmm. if you're not. And I'm saying all of these things to you, but I just can't shake it. I love Mm -hmm. you. Good night. Mm -hmm. And he he died that night. Mm -hmm. So... I woke up and I looked at my phone and he hadn't responded. Yeah. And um I uh saw these messages like from Nova Scotia and I was like what the fuck. And I all I remember is walking like looking at my phone and I think I was dialing one of the numbers <coughs> and I'm walking up the stairs from the basement and all I remember saying is I think something's happened to, something's wrong with Brad. And I remember my mom was in the bathroom and she yelled from the bathroom. She's like, why? What's going on? And then just as she had said that, the number I'd called picked up Mm -hmm. and it was Brad's, uh, the mother of his kid. And she's like, were you there? And I'm like, what do you mean? Was I there? What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And she's like, were you there? And I'm like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And she's like, you don't know, and I'm like, no, and she's like, Brad died in your bed last night, mm. and I was like, what? Fuck. So in my head, I like I hung up on her because I didn't mm. even like it's all just black, but I was like, I don't get it. Like I, I don't really remember. All I remember thinking is, he died of a concussion, because she had said he died in your bed. Mm-hmm like logically now I can think back and go like, how would she know that? <laughs> right? But at that moment I'm like, he died in the bed. That means he had his concut because his head was rocking mm-hmm. and I was being a bitch and he was really sick mm-hmm. and he died in, his, in my bed and it's all my fault because I was a bitch and he was really sick and I was mm-hmm. accusing him of all this shit. And I felt so guilty, mm-hmm. like just sick. And I didn't know what to do. And I, you know, my mother called my sister and, um, Thankfully, like, well, not, I don't know. She, my sister, cause I didn't know I was, mm-hmm. I, I still don't know what I was doing in all of that time. But, mm-hmm. um, my sister contacted the police cause my sister's a police officer. Mm. And so, um, she contacted the police here in Calgary and they didn't say anything to me mm-hmm. and they were going to come to Calgary, they wanted me to stay in Edmonton and they were going to come to Calgary and get my, cause my dog had been taken mm-hmm. to a vets for, to stay. And they wanted to come and get, check out my place and do whatever. And they wanted me. And then like all of a sudden, cause I, I talked to you mm-hmm. and I had talked, I don't know why I called my boss. Like mm-hmm. of all people, <laughs> all
2: my probably boss because you boss
1: say I wouldn't be into work. Then.
0: You had an instinct. <laughs> like
1: like fuck man like what are you but anyway so like it finally dawned on me Mm -hmm. like I need to be in Calgary like I can't stay in Edmonton Mm -hmm. like I need to be in Calgary so then all plans changed now Cindy's like I couldn't get my ass out the door though Mm -hmm. and we're driving and I've got people like calling me constantly and like my therapist even called me Like, Mm. I must have left him. Like, I don't know, but he even called me. And this is, like, the 29th of December. Like, nobody's working kind of thing. Yeah. I get... I remember it was, like, the roads were shit. It was storming. And I'm in the back of my mom's vehicle. And I'm just, like, lost, looking out the window and, like, feeling such guilt. Like, just... Mm. Like, that was the worst. Like, in that moment, him being gone hadn't really registered yet. But Mm. that feeling of guilt that I was a bitch to him and mm-hmm. my last words to him were not nice words and mm-hmm. he died from a concussion and and all of a sudden it dawned and it, like because Brad was so into recovery and so mm-hmm. passionate about sober, being sober and clean and we'd had discussions about the overdose, the opioid crisis and like how grateful we were that this wasn't us mm-hmm. and I looked, I just out of the bloom, like, do you think he died of a drug overdose? Mm -hmm. And my sister looked back, she was in the passenger seat, she looked back at me and she goes, well, I didn't want to say anything, but there was paraphernalia found at your house. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. And then that guilt that just left me Mm -hmm. and I felt a sense of relief because I was like, okay, there's, I'm not, it's not my fault. Right. Mm-hmm. And then of course it all kicks in that I just lost my partner. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it was just like, even coming home, like I'd, I quit smoking. Brad was like, would vape on the balcony. Like there was never any smoke, but just my sister even saying like, We're not picking up your dog until we go to the house. And when we get to the house, I'm putting on gloves. And mom, if you start to feel sick, you need to let me know right away. Mm -hmm. And me walking into my apartment and I'm like, like the smell of smoke was so heavy in Mm -hmm. the air because they'd been partying on there, obviously. And just looking around, the coffee table was broken. Mm -hmm. And like my sister, being a cop, she knows what to do. She starts going through the garbage and pulling stuff out. You know, the first thing, a Mickey, a vodka, mm-hmm. and some other stuff. And, and I'm just like, wow. And she's like sanitizing everything and wiping everything down. And I just was like, yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it was just to this day, I sit there and I go, how the fuck did that happen? Like, mm-hmm. cause... <laughs> He was not actively using mm-hmm. like, and I trust me, <laughs> my math head skills kicked in mm-hmm. because I, as a math head, mm-hmm. I would computer, I could do so much shit on a computer that kicked in. Mm-hmm. And I went on Google maps and I traced him for the year. Mm-hmm. Cause I learned a lot. You, you just go anywhere and your Google map will mm-hmm. record you what address you were at for how long you were there. And mm-hmm. I don't think Brad knew that it was, but I went from a year to the day he died and mm-hmm. I knew exactly every address, everywhere he was. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you without a doubt that that was mm-hmm. the time that he went out. Yeah, I know he went out in October one time for a night and I kind of suspected something because I was in Edmonton mm-hmm. then too, but um, I thought... Well, if he's, if he did relapse in October, like this was in that time mm-hmm. frame, I thought, well, things are going to spiral really quickly mm-hmm. and they didn't. And I, so yeah. I thought, oh, it just must've been my imagination. Mm-hmm. And then in December yeah. again, but he wasn't out using and.
0: I know. And the funny thing that, well, not funny. The, the One of the shitty things about that is that I even like took a little shipper defending him too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I. I mean, it took a little shit. I shouldn't say it like that because I don't care. Like, yeah. It's not like I was offended when someone said something about what I had been saying. Yeah. And because uh, I just said, um, I don't care what your opinion of this subject is. Like my opinion of this is just this. Yeah. I saw the guy a week before, and he was cl- so cold sober. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind he was sober. Yeah. Right? Like it was simply a matter of whatever had happened, something clicked in. And then he was gone. Yeah. That's it. Like, I, I I firmly believe that. Yeah. Because that's how it felt to me, too. Just yeah. like you're describing it, right? It's like, sure, he may have stumbled. Yeah. But let's be honest with with ourselves and with each other, right? Like, people stumble way more times um, before they actually stand up.
2: Yeah. Right? Like, yeah.
0: Even if you stumble for a night, it, it, it still doesn't take away that you're a good person and you're still living your life. And, you know, I the opinion that... Some, and I'm not saying anyone that I associate with, but uh, um, I have heard some opinions of like uh, folks who relapse. And I, I I think that oftentimes people who so quote unquote have time, they look at relapse as though it's something that should be ashamed of. And, or they don't look at it like that. Cause if you ask them, they'll tell you no, no. but what, how they treat you, you know, this as well as I do.
2: Yeah, that's
1: exactly how it mm-hmm. is. And Um, like me too. Like, I mean, I had two years clean and I slipped, I had a two day Mm -hmm. slip. I call it a slip because it wasn't a full blown relapse. Mm -hmm. And by the grace of God, like, I really don't know how I was able to go. Okay. It's Sunday night. I need to get to central. I dumped the dope down the toilet, went to central and went to work Monday morning Mm -hmm. and never, (laughs) never, Mm -hmm. never had another slip. But that was like something that... In my mind, that solidified my recovery. Mm -hmm. It's not a good way to solidify your recovery. There's better ways probably. (laughs) Yeah. But, but for me, that was like, holy shit. And Mm -hmm. now to this day, um, I know I'm Mm -hmm. always a smidgen away from relapse. Like, you know, and, and I have six years clean with a two day slip. Mm -hmm. I didn't erase my clean time because Mm -hmm. I had that two days. Mm -hmm. I still consider myself as having six years and mm-hmm. I still consider my clean date, the date
0: mm-hmm.
1: that I cl- cleaned up. Yeah.
0: And that's fair. Yeah. This, this isn't determined by some other like secret organization somewhere that says, well, you're only clean and sober if.
1: Yeah. Like, and then what does that do? Like you're, you're trying to build on someone's strengths and you're trying to keep mm-hmm. them going and encourage them. So why would you be like, oh, well you fucked up. So yeah. you start at zero now and everything you've done doesn't count
0: yeah and I just think that's bullshit. I, yeah. I think that the reality is is that when people like myself, who are alcoholics or whatever, if I'm to to drink again um, and then continue to keep trying to drink, obviously I'm playing with fire. Right? Yeah, like I mean, for me, alcohol is basically like a bullet. but it doesn't mean I'm not going at some point in my life take a drink and then expect some compassion. Right. Like, but if I'm going to expect that, I better give it.
2: Yeah, exactly. I better
0: be giving that out. Right. We, we got to give that out to people. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and I never, actually, it's kind of funny because I never celebrate my clean time because I carried shame around Mm -hmm. that two day slip. So I never, ever would acknowledge it. I do have an app on my phone, like a clean time app. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like checking on it (laughs) So it's like personally, I I kind of like. But this Mm -hmm. year was the year that I thought, you know what, I'm gonna stand up and take my six years this Mm -hmm. year, and I ended up going caving. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Didn't make it down here to take my six years, but that's great. But yeah, but it's like I I always then I was thinking like, why don't you acknowledge your Mm -hmm. your time? And I'd always like minimize it Mm -hmm. right minimize it and i find i do that with a lot of things that are important or that i meet have some stigma attached to Mm -hmm. it or i I minimize it and it's like i yeah i didn't take it because of that two-day slip i felt i wasn't worth it Mm -hmm. like i wasn't worthy enough to stand up and take my time Mm -hmm. and then this year i was like fuck that
0: yeah i i think that if if it's comfortable with you and your creator nobody else needs to be aware of it Yeah. or I mean aware they can be aware but nobody else has a say in it yeah right yeah recovery doesn't end just because someone went back out yeah like they're still recovering yeah especially if they keep trying to come back right
1: (laughs) well and I think that's when they need the most support 100%
0: is what we're here for (laughs) yeah it's like someone coming into a church and saying I need help and the church saying we don't help you kind
2: yeah exactly that's not what
0: the church was supposed to do the church is supposed to be here for everyone yeah yeah, I remember like um, someone said, well, do they, what do they think of people like me? And, and this was to someone who was asking me and I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you know, like I don't exactly believe in like the Christian God and all this stuff. And I said, who cares? Yeah. Do you feel connected to tr- to God when you come to church? Well, yeah, totally. Yeah. When you come to church. If yeah. you don't, if you don't feel connected, then we... We just keep finding stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's just so, it's so powerful that these things are shifting. Yeah, you know? it's awesome. Like, yeah. it's,
1: it's really cool. Because, yeah, I I don't fit into the mold. And, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, and I always felt, well, everyone thinks I'm going to realize. And people do. Like, mm-hmm. people don't, certain people that I am in quite, like, contact mm-hmm. with, because I'm not following, like, well, mm-hmm. I guess I am following 12 steps, but because I'm not, like you know, twelve stepper, so to speak. Mm. They're not they don't believe that my recovery is
0: real. hmm And 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 you know what? But that <laughs> but that should that should tell us all kind of how insecure entities can get. Yeah. Right? When things start to change. Yeah. And and like that's okay. That's like yeah. the church. The church is so insecure. Like yeah. I mean, and they should they need to be insecure. Yeah. Right. They do they do need the shake up. We yeah. all do. Right?
2: Yeah. But yeah. so
0: too in terms of this um the idea that recovery is only one way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I'm sorry, if if you come from a place where you use heroin, and this might be my the humanist in me, I don't know, forgive me, but if you come from using heroin and the only way to not use heroin is to smoke marijuana, I, I really hope you're smoking marijuana. Yeah. That's what I hope. Yeah, exactly. Because I've never met anyone who died from marijuana. No. But I've met many, many people through the years who are no longer with us because of the opiates. Yeah. So, and I know like people are going, Oh dude, he's so irresponsible talking about harm reduction. And it's like, yeah, I'll tell you what, when you've been sober for any amount of time and you lose the kind of people that we lose, if you don't think that harm reduction is a good idea, then I'm wondering where we missed you. Yeah. Right. On yeah. the logic train. Like, cause don't get me wrong either. Cause I used to come from that place of rigidity in my, in the beginning of my sobriety. Yeah. The only reason I came from there was because I was afraid. Yeah. I held on for dear life, right? Yeah. This has to be the only way because this is dear life shit. Yeah. But whatever helps the individual get out of that dear God help me place into this place where now it's like, no, we can talk about stuff. Yeah. It's okay now. It doesn't have that same fear. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. And and I'm very like the rigidity Mm -hmm. is like... It's loosened up around my recovery, mm-hmm. but it's gotten since Brad passed away, it's gotten like my routines are like mm-hmm. very rigid now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a coping mechanism. Um, For sure. But I'm hoping it will loosen up. Because yeah, <laughs> well. I I'm, I'm like, yeah, but I, I am like so in the process of losing Brad, mm-hmm. um I found a new community, which is my CrossFit community. Mm. And in that community, I found myself amongst people who aren't in recovery. Mm -hmm. These are people who have led healthy lifestyles or, Mm -hmm. you know, on the outside, quote unquote, healthy lifestyles. Um, They're professionals, they're cops, they're lawyers, they're Mm -hmm. chiropractors. They're like all of these people who I'm like, never, ever, Mm -hmm. you know, around. (laughs) And and, uh, I'm. I made some good friends. Mm-hmm. And so I made this one friend. She's like a girlfriend of mine. And, um, she'd come to the 6am class. So we started talking when Brad passed away. Cause I just started CrossFit right before mm-hmm. Brad passed away. She was like, well, if you ever want to come out to the mountains, let me know. Mm-hmm. She's like, I've got snowshoes. Cause she's got three kids, three sons. And she's like, I got all the equipment. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, so I got to know her better and I call her, she had two other friends. And so they're, we're all roughly the same age, but myself and one of the other women have lost their mm-hmm. partner and the other two are divorced. Wow. So the four of us now, mm-hmm. I call them my adventure posse. Yeah, yeah. And like, we even have an Excel spreadsheet as to when we're all available <laughs> and what we can so yeah. that we can go out and do shit. Like it's and like. do adventurous shit. Yeah. Like cool. we go, you know, we've been kayaking, we've been backpacking up and like we went hiking up to a glacier and slept beside mm. the glacier like snowshoeing and our latest thing now is we go and we kill zombies at virtual reality yeah nice
0: <laughs> oh, what's that place called
1: the arcade
0: the arcade yeah, yeah. you told me about it and i yeah. can't get it out of my head
1: yeah it's like the best time like it's have you like, guys
0: done it no.
1: oh my god it's like yeah it's cool yeah like my endorphins were just <laughs> firing and like jill looked at me and she's like She's like, "This is cool." I'm like, "Yeah, blah 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 blah." And she's like, "Do you want to go to Costco?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to Costco." Like, <laughs> she's, was like, just like, "Holy shit!" Right? Because yeah. I was just like,
0: turned firing on all cylinders. You were submersed into that universe. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah.
1: So, but the thing is, is what I what I meant to get at was, I never shared with any of these people. Mm my background. Yeah. They know what I do for a living. And Mm -hmm. so I come off as this professional, they Mm -hmm. don't know I have all this lived experience, which really is an asset in my, Mm -hmm. what I'm doing for a living. And so I always felt like I had something to, like, I'm Mm -hmm. always been hiding who I am. And and there's a like, like one time I went to play cards for humanity. I mean,
0: oh, cards against humanity. Yeah,
1: that game. And I went, and I it was like a dinner thing, and there yeah. was a charcuterie board, and like I'm like out of my element. There's mm. like three PhDs there, and my friend is a scientist, and then this other big oil and gas person, and I'm like, and I'm not drinking, and mm. they're all having their drinks, and what? And we're playing this card game, and I won because even in my sobriety, I still have a more twisted brain than any of them to come
2: totally. up all this
0: yeah they have to practice to get where we are yeah Yeah, yeah. so it takes time
1: yeah so (laughs) I never ever shared like I always thought oh if they ever knew who I really was Mm. like they would judge me but I needed help because I was applying for this job and Mm. I needed to write these tests okay and so I sent out a message to my adventure posse women and I'm Mm. like have to write this test da 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 I need help does anybody know about all of this stuff and Mm. My friend was like, yeah, come over, let's do this. So as we did, she helped me with this test and, mm-hmm. and I passed anyways, as we're sitting there, she's like, so what's the next step? Da, 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 da. And I don't know why, cause I've been hanging out with her for like Brad will be gone a year in December. Yeah.
0: It's almost a year.
1: Yeah. And I looked at her and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'll get the job. It could be the criminal record. Mm-hmm. And she goes, she looks at me and she's like. You mean like from when you were 16 or something, right? (laughs) And I'm like, no. I said, actually, my last charge was in 2012. Mm -hmm. And she's like, like, what? And like, so then we started talking and I gave her Mm -hmm. like the Cliff Notes version of of my life. And I'm like, so if you stop calling me, I said, I'm going to be pissed off, right? Like, you can't judge me now because you know me as a person without knowing that part of me. And the coolest thing happened in our friendship because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden she opened up to me about her divorce Mm -hmm. and like some of the stuff that happened that Mm -hmm. wasn't so great. Yeah. And it was like, we bonded on another level Mm -hmm. and it was like so cool because here I'm in this world thinking these people, like I put them Mm -hmm. on a pedestal thinking that they're going to like look down on me and judge Mm -hmm. me. And she was like, like she thought it was amazing. Mm
0: -hmm because like, it is amazing
1: yeah like it's like yeah Yeah. so i don't know those are just some of the gifts i guess
0: huge gift yeah yeah, yeah
1: so yeah i don't know
0: what time are we at Fifty-five minutes. oh wow i didn't think it went by that fast yeah that was it's going quick. by quick yeah <laughs> right on
1: yeah so i don't know
0: so um yeah so brad's service right like i like i was so honored to be a part of that like thank you for asking me
1: no like, you guys blew me away with that
0: oh well, like
1: blew me away with that because i didn't even know my head from my ass and like
0: you did much better than you think i right?
1: oh yeah. i i i it turned into something that was so beautiful and amazing mm-hmm. and so respectful and appropriate mm-hmm. and I didn't like, I just thought I was going to have like this little like mm-hmm. service at the church, like just this little like thing. And it just, it was so amazing. Like, yeah. and everything you had to say, like my friend, Anna mm. still talks about what you said that oh, night.
0: Oh, good. I'm glad it was something yeah. coherent.
1: Yeah. That's, that's yeah. always yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, you know, it's true. <laughs> like you go out, you're not coming back. There's mm-hmm. a good chance Yeah, uh, in this day and age with these drugs. Yeah. Things and, have changed. Yeah. Even the math, like,
0: yeah.
1: like I smoked speed for 10 years mm-hmm. and yeah, I got psychosis towards the end and mm-hmm. whatnot, but I just thought everybody was a cop. But yeah, now you see what the effects of these drugs are doing mm-hmm. to people's mental health. And it's like, something's changed. There's yeah. It can't be that people have changed. It's, What's going in, or what mm-hmm. they're being sold? Like, is oh, there real drugs exactly. out there anymore? Are they all synthetic?
0: Like, I think the only real ones are the ones produced by the government. Yeah, yeah. But literally, I think those are probably the safest ones. Yeah, whatever those are.
2: Yeah, right? yeah.
0: Not to, not talking about opiates, obviously, but the ones that are like the other drugs that are regulated. Those those are probably the safest ones. Yeah, which I know, like outside of psychedelics, the natural stuff. The, I'm always going to say the natural stuff is probably the most the most healthy yeah. of all of that stuff. If yeah. any of it's really healthy, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but yeah. the most healthy is probably the natural shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah. So anyways, yeah, I know the, the service was so many people mm-hmm. and um there was like a judge that spoke. And, I know.
0: Like, That's pretty cool.
1: Like it was just one of the most...
0: Well, and he had just lost someone too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah.
1: his I think his brother, or yeah, something. it was so
0: sad. like yeah. he and he just spoke so wonderfully, yeah.
1: yeah. And it just is amazing how many lives Brad touched. Mm-hmm. And I actually just listened to, um, oh, I can't I think judge uh Bailey, no, not Judge Bailey. I don't want to get her name wrong, <laughs> but anyways, I just... She, Judge she, Judy? Yeah, right. <laughs> she did the proclamation for the wellness walk and, um, that Brad, that was one of mm. his highlights because he talked about flying, um to Saskatchewan with this judge to mm-hmm. do to talk at a conference they had invited him to yeah. talk at and on the way back she was scared to fly she had anxiety and he was sitting beside her and he she asked him to hold his her hand so he held her hand during this flight mm-hmm. and calmed her down and so he, that was like one of his highlights cuz he's like I went from like flying from Nova Scotia on mm-hmm. Conair because I had all these charges in Alberta <laughs> Con you Air. know and like doing all this <laughs> shit and then again flying at a different time holding a judge's hand mm-hmm. and like calming her down comforting her yeah
0: yeah but yeah. that's the kind of guy brad was though right yeah yeah like he he was i mean none of us are perfect no right and i don't expect that either one of you are right no. but the truth of the matter is he's a good he is a good man
1: yeah he yeah. is pretty close to perfect in my eyes yeah yeah
0: I, I mean i and i'll leave that to you i don't feel that way yeah about him, but. <laughs> You know, no. you, got, you might have known him differently yeah.
1: than
0: me. Just maybe. Yeah. But yeah, just a, just a beautiful guy. Well,
1: and one of the things, again, um, this was at Central and this was before we, like this was in that period when I told him I didn't like him. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to talk to him again. Because he, he treated you that. poorly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so one of those nights we were at Central and um, this is like one of the things that really warmed my heart the veteran speech. And mm-hmm. then when we were at central, there was somebody who was highly intoxicated up in the wings part mm-hmm. there, whatever off to the yeah. side. And, uh, like to the point, stumbling, falling out. And the guy's pants kept falling down. Mm-hmm. He probably got them at the DI or something. They were yeah. too big and his pants kept falling down and he was making a ruckus and you could see people starting to like, look and, and Brad just was like, hang on a second. And he, I watched him. Brad walked right over mm-hmm. to the guy, put his arm around him, took his belt off mm-hmm. and gave it to the guy and belted mm-hmm. up his pants for him.
0: Yeah. And
1: like, that was just like... That's Brad. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like such yeah. genuine, Yeah, you know, and I could, there's thousands of stories that I could tell like that, mm-hmm. that he did for people. Yeah. Like he really even if it ate him up inside, Mm -hmm. he did it because he felt that was the right thing to do for people. You know?
0: Yeah. He was always giving back to somebody.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: That makes like people like that are obviously, they just endear themselves to us, right? Yeah. Like I I gave a um, card to one of my sponsees this morning at a birthday meeting and it was, um, he's taught me way more than I could ever teach him. Like his, his heart, is so open like and even after he takes a shit kicking a he's just like and he's got seven years now and yeah but he, he takes a shit kicking and i tell you what he just keeps his heart open and he's just like oh like it really hurts to be a nice guy but fuck, i can't stop yeah and i'm like <laughs> looking at him like a couple of years ago he we went through something and i was like how are you not like mad dude like, yeah Cause I'm mad. I don't even know you very well. And I'm mad when I yeah. first met him. I'm like, how dare that bitch? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, you know, like, but that's kind of like what Brad always reminds me of. Too, yeah. Yeah. Right? And I think of his remembrance day. Talk, yeah. And I remember it because I, every time remembrance day comes around, I say a prayer for him when I go through the field of crosses. Right. Because yeah. He's like anything I ever have to do around remembrance day. He's my spirit animal, man. Yeah. That fucking guy. Like, cause I, and his smile, he's a smile like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I think he loves smiling so much because he probably didn't smile much when he was younger, right? Like yeah, he, and I, I I noticed it because now I got new teeth, I finally got my teeth fixed. Yeah, now I smile just like Brad.
2: Yeah, I'm like, <laughs>
0: yeah. it's kind of you guys remember that. Uh, did we already go through this joke? The extends commercials, what was that guy's name, Bob or whatever? He's at the Christmas party. And he had these extends tablets that make you apparently a better man or whatever. Oh. But he always had that smile on his face. He's always like, <laughs> Because, of course, that's what how dumb men feel. We yeah. just want to be good in bed and that's it. Everything yeah. else is fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. long as I'm good in bed, she'll be fine. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I believed that until I was like 30. Yeah. Like literally till I was 30. <laughs> I'm like, all she really cares about is if I'm good in bed. yeah. <laughs>
2: No. <laughs> yeah, no. But
0: I love his smile. Yeah. And so every time I saw him smile, I thought of the guy in that commercial. And that's why I'd always laugh, right? But I never wanted to say that in church. Yeah. So, because every time I talk about his smile in church, I try to tell people what it's like when I see it, but I can't tell them that part. Yeah. Because all I'm thinking about is this guy in a boner commercial. Because <laughs> that could be taken many different ways.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah,
1: no, he, yeah, that's funny, mm-hmm. especially with his big barrel chest too. Oh,
0: such a big guy too, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but his hugs were good. Yeah, yeah. that's
1: what he, it was funny because um, when I took him to meet my, I, to meet my mom and my sister, we met them out in Canmore mm-hmm. and I was like, cause my mom and my sister are kind of hard asses, right? And I'm like, yeah, be careful. And, you know, we kind of grew up in this family where we no hugging, like we mm-hmm. weren't a very emotional uh, we're very closed off. Mm. <laughs> and except for me, I'm like the crazy emotional one. Yeah. And, uh, oh, a hugger. Yeah. My mom, my mom, who's like, you know, five foot three and maybe like 110 mm-hmm. pounds. So, Brad, we have dinner, lunch, or whatever. And Brad's like, and he, he knew that my family's not huggers. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm a hugger. And my mom's like, what? And he just like, <laughs> whoosh like (laughs) enveloped her because you know and he's being as big as he was and her as little as she was and (laughs) you could almost see like when he let her go like when you could almost see the stars in her eyes or something like she was like (laughs)
0: She's like, this is what love feels like. Yeah, Holy crap!
1: Like, I think like that just overwhelmed her to the point mm-hmm. that she just like that was it. Brad was like in right, yeah, like yeah, it awesome. was just like yeah, it was so funny, and I <laughs> laughed because I'm like, that is hilarious that yeah. you did that to my mother. Yeah, right
0: man. I love hugging that guy, man. <laughs> yeah. hey, he's like hugging my dad. Eh? He's yeah. like, if you hug my dad, you're like, oh. This is so nice.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I I shouldn't feel this good hugging a guy, but I do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so.
0: I'm just kidding. I should feel as good as I want hugging a guy. Exactly. That was a joke. Just so you guys know. Yeah. Yeah. I like hugging anybody, so.
1: Well, and I was never a hugger. Well, yeah, because I came from a closed off family, but now I am.
0: Now um, you're badgered all the time. yeah,
1: Yeah. 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 And that's the other thing, too like coming here mm-hmm. it got really hard to come here like Brad always yeah. said it was mo- most important to support this new service mm-hmm. like when when you guys started up here like he felt it was really important and so that's why i chose to have his everything mm-hmm. here and everything um and after coming here you guys like wrapped your arms around me mm-hmm. to support me through all of it and it, but it got really hard to come here because mm-hmm. I still do. But I think for the first six months, I would just mm-hmm. sit with tears rolling down my yeah. face, listening to Marie sing and mm-hmm. and all of that. Because the weirdest thing about coming here is because Brad had a voice and he mm-hmm. could sing and he would always sing right in my ear when we were standing because he'd know I was uncomfortable with the singing. Like, yeah. cause I'm always like, well, do I tap my hand <laughs> or like, do I, you know, drive around to the music or like, I don't know any of the words. Cause I'm not, I never was raised in a church and I don't know half this music. And so he would like nudge me and like poke at me and like get me and sing right in mm-hmm. my ear. So now whenever Marie sings or guy sings, mm-hmm. I hear him singing in my ear.
2: Yeah. Like
1: I hear Brad singing and then nice. it's just like tears. Nice, And then it's like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it's so beautiful, but so painful at mm-hmm. the same time that it's like, oh my God, I got to stop coming because <laughs> I don't know if I can take it. I'd right.
0: Be torn in half.
1: Yeah. 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 That'd
0: be so, hard. I'm so glad you did. Yeah. It kept coming. I yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can't not come. Like
0: it's... Yeah. Well, I'm glad you feel that way. We like, I love, I love seeing you every week. I love seeing you. So I, I'm so grateful for you being here. I, I know we must be over. Uh, hour and 10 minutes. Okay. So not too bad. Yeah. Right on. I, I'm so grateful. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No. Thanks. Yeah. For having me. So if there was anywhere. What, what did you and Brad do for Christmas? Because I know Brad was into veterans, like doing stuff for veterans and the Legion and stuff like that. Do you have any plans this year to like... Uh,
1: so I, so I made a very selfish decision that mm-hmm. I wasn't celebrating Christmas this year. Okay. Um, and I, we've decided to do things. My dad has Parkinson's and can't mm-hmm. travel. So originally we thought, well, we'll go to Mexico as a mm-hmm. family or do something. Yeah. Um, and... It's just my dad's progressing. So we've decided now we're just going to fly to Vancouver on December 8th -hmm. and spend a weekend as just the four of us in Vancouver and go to the aquarium and do some sightseeing Mm -hmm. and just kind of chum out together. And then I have thrown myself into work. Like I'm working two jobs and I am working. Mm -hmm. Although I'm probably going to regret this decision because I'm realizing now how selfish it was. Hmm. And my grandmother, who's 98, who has been like my heart forever. Mm -hmm. And Brad's like, Brad's brought so much love and light to her life Mm -hmm. too. Um, She's deteriorating. She's Mm -hmm. 98. And um, I said to my mom the other day, can you Can you Skype me, like FaceTime me with her? Because she can't hear her phone, so Mm -hmm. she doesn't answer it. Anyways, she didn't realize I was on video. Like she thought my mom was just showing her a picture of me on the phone. (laughs) And so she's like, the look on her face when she saw my face, because I haven't been home much because Mm -hmm. of Brad passing away. I still haven't even been able to go down to my parents' basement, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And she looked at me. Thinking I was a pitcher, and the look on her face, and she's like, she's so beautiful. Mm. And then I like waved. Yeah, (laughs) I'm a real person. "Ah!" Yeah. So, but I could just see like I need to go home for Mm. Christmas because this is probably going to be her last Christmas.
0: Yeah, you never know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I just I'm I'm probably going to try to make it home in between Christmas and New Year's for a day or two.
0: Cool. Uh, Yeah, I I feel that we get that we get that impression for a reason, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, I'm, I'm with you though. I think I've heard you say it before where it's like, if you, if you love somebody, you tell them you love them. Yeah. Right. You tell them because nobody fucking knows.
2: Yeah, exactly. There's
0: no guarantees here. No. Right. So no no matter how well we think we're doing, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Like you said it, we're all just one tiny step away.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, Cindy, so thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. I hope I was. Um,
1: sorry, go ahead. No, I just hope I was okay to listen to you. You were
0: fantastic. <laughs> fantastic to listen to. Is there, um, so I'm just going to throw this out there. If you could throw the links maybe in the, in the, when we get, when you post or whatever, um, www.woundedwarriors.ca. Um, and is there anything else for Brad that you, like, I just know that he would love that and, I want to encourage people. If you are going to make any donations this Christmas, find something that fallen really heroes. works. Fallen Heroes. Yeah. Okay. Fallen Heroes. Fallen is it Heroes.
1: Ca. Uh, I'm not sure if it's. You can Google it. Okay. Yeah. The Fallen Heroes, because that's who he wrote all the obits for. Okay. And the Legion. He was a big. Okay. Legion guy. Cool. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thanks. Right on. We would like to remind you that the opinions shared are those of the individuals and not representative of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other affiliation we may share with organizations or individuals. Thank you, Wild Rose United Church, for your open-hearted giving to the community at large in a multitude of ways. You have graciously provided space and love for us to work within, and we cannot thank the staff, volunteers, and members of the church enough for all that they do each and every day. Thank you again, Darcy Robinson. As usual, your work is incredible. Thanks for donating it to us. I am not here without each of our board of directors Trent Baker, Todd Deere, Christine Pimiskern, Heather Morijo, Wayne Lurie, and John James. To all of the individuals who graciously donate their money and time to helping Freedom's Path become a society and now a charity, thank you. Who is Freedom's Path? We work directly with individuals and families struggling and suffering from, with addiction of all types, mental illness, codependency, and a multitude of difficulties humans bring forward as they attempt to make life-altering changes. If you are interested in attending our upcoming or future groups, being a guest on the podcast, or looking to make a donation or help in some other way, please contact us through our website, www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or find us on Facebook at Freedoms Path Recovery Society. If you are close to giving up, regardless of what your difficulty might be, please reach out to someone. You can always give up tomorrow, or maybe you won't have to. To anyone listening, imagine that your voice might be the only one someone hears inside their darkness. What is it you would like to say? As for me, I'm David Lurie, and I wish you all the best, wherever you are. Be safe and try to have some fun, because our time here is quite limited after all.